And we are on air for Fan for Hastings NASCAR Weekend Preview. And this week, we are previewing Nashville. Uh, we'll also have a hot topic sound drop at, for a full hour again tonight. We'll start at 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time. So joining me for tonight's show is our co-host for tonight, Jay Huseman. Welcome to the show, Jay. Thank you, Sharon. And I hear the music coming out of Nashville, and it's not country music this time. <laughs> it's the hum of some race cars. It is indeed. Uh, we're going to start out with a few updates see, from the Arkham Menard Series, the East and the West. They are not racing this weekend, but they will be back in action next weekend. Uh, and then we'll go ahead and preview the Truck Series in Nashville, the Xfinity Series at Nashville, and the Cup Series at Nashville. And as I mentioned earlier, we're going to have a full hour of hot topics tonight starting at 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time. So let's get right into it, Jay, with uh, a few of the Arkham and Art Series updates. Uh, the, the, the next race for that series is the Arkham and Art Series General Tire Anywhere as Possible 200. That'll be June the 25th next weekend at Pocono Raceway at 6 p.m. Eastern Time. That will be televised on Fox Sports 1. Uh, the next race would be on July 3rd for the Arkham Menard Series West at Irwindale Speedway, the Napa Auto Parts 150, uh, and you'll be able to uh, follow along at ArcaRacing.com or NBC Sports uh, Track Pass on NBC's Gold. Uh, then the next race looks like it's the Arkham Menard Series along with the Sioux Chief Showdown event on July the 10th. 10 p.m. Eastern Time, 9 p.m. Central at Elko Speedway. That race will be televised on MAV TV. And then finally, we have the ARCA East. They will be racing along with the ARCA Menard Series at Iowa Speedway on July the 24th, the Shore Lunch 150 at 9 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Central, and that will be televised on MAV TV. So uh, there you have it, the next races uh, for all of those series. Well, I like it for the uh, the East and the, and the ARCA series, doing a little bit of a Midwest tour there, Pocono, and then you got Elko Speedway as well as Iowa Speedway. Uh, I know that's as close as they get to you, and it's good to see Iowa has something on the schedule there from the NASCAR level uh, for yeah. for them. Yes, and then, of course, Irwindale Speedway is always a big event there in the Arkham and Art Series West. Uh, now we're going to go ahead and get right into uh, the I'm, – I'm going to go ahead and go right into our weekend preview uh, for the Truck Series, Jay, because I'm just a little worried that we're going to run out of time uh, to get it all done. All right. Okay, so we'll start with the uh, Camping World Truck Series. Uh, that race is going to be the Rackley Roofing 200 at Nashville Super Speedway on Friday. That's tomorrow night, June the 18th. Uh, it starts at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. It will be televised on Fox Sports 1, starting with pre-race coverage at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. Radio coverage is on MRN and Sirius XM NASCAR Radio. 
They'll be racing a distance of 199.5 miles over 150 laps. The first two stages are 45 laps each, and then the last stage will be an end on lap 150. So I believe we start with a rookie update here in the uh, truck series. No, it's about uh, Yeah, I was going to say, actually, what we're going to start with is if you hear the race cars in your head like I do for the truck series, you might be hearing Toyota as they are screaming <laughs> past the competition. And Toyota drivers have won nine of the first 11 races on the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series 2021 season, including the first seven races consecutively. Chevrolet and Ford can have the one victory this season. And now as the series heads to Nashville for the first time in nearly a decade, it's a place that Toyota has relished in success already. Uh, Toyota leads the series and wins at Nashville Speedway with six of the 13 races going to the Japanese automaker. The most recent Toyota winner at Nashville, uh, this should be no surprise, Kyle Busch came back on <laughs> April 22nd 2011. Okay, now we'll get into the truck Sunoco Rookie of the Year standings update. With the first 11 races of this season in the books, Nice Motorsports' Carson Hosebar continues to hold on to that Sunoco Rookie of the Year standings by a solid 36 points over Kyle Busch Motorsports' Chandler Smith in second place. Smith rallied last week to grab his fifth Sunoco Rookie of the Race Award of the season and last weekend at Texas Motor Speedway with his fifth-place finish, his second top five and his fourth top ten of the year. But Josefar continues to be the man to beat in the rookie class this season. In just 11 starts this year, the 18-year-old from Portage, Michigan, fives and four top tens, including a best of runner-up at Charlotte Motor Speedway just a few weeks ago. Uh, Team DGR's Haley Deegan is sitting third in the standings, 98 points back from Hosovar. Deegan has posted three top 15 finishes this season. Uh, So the other contenders are Chase Purdy at 126, Chris Wright at 73, and Tom Beams, who still hasn't... uh, had a race yet this season, uh, but he's still on the list. So there you have it for the rookie class of this year. Next up, we've seen him in a lot of different racing uh, styles, but Ryan Priest is actually making his NASCAR Camping World Truck Series debut this weekend with DGR. Now, Priest does drive JTG Daughtery's Racing's NASCAR Cup Series uh, machine, but he'll be making the Camping World Truck Series debut this weekend at Nashville Speedway, driving that number 17 Ford for David Dillon Racing, your team DGR. Priest will be doing double duty this weekend, now both in the trucks as well as the NASCAR Cup Series races. Priest has made 93 NASCAR Cup Series starts in his career, 59 NASCAR Xfinity Series start, but it will be his National Series debut at Nashville Speedway. Okay, so good luck to Ryan. Also, it's going to be action-packed on Friday for the trucks at Nashville. They're going to get everything in in one day. Nashville Super Speedway is one of six tracks this season that will host both practice and qualifying 
for that series. This Friday, June the 18th, uh, they're scheduled to practice from 11.05 a.m., that's Eastern Time, to 11.55, and then qualify at 5.05 p.m. Eastern and race at 8 p.m. Eastern later that evening. All track activity by the Truck Series can be viewed on Fox Sports 1. So it's going to be a full day for Truck Series drivers on Friday. Well, it kind of feels like we're going back old school. I kind of like that where they do that all in one day. And the other news and notes <laughs> we got uh, news and notes we got from the truck series here. Um, Rackley WAR uh, bringing some heavy hitters and uh, William Byron and Josh Berry to Nashville for the first time in their short history. The Rackley WAR organization will field two teams this weekend at Nashville Super Speedway for the Rackley Roofing 200. Rackley WAR or tap two of the hottest drivers in the NASCAR in NASCAR uh, to field their trucks this weekend. Car Cup Series star William Byron, as well as NASCAR Xfinity Series standout Josh Berry. And Byron, alongside uh, crew chief Willie Allen, will pilot the number 27 Rackley War Chevrolet Friday night. And Barry, with crew chief Cad Kendrick, uh, will be making the second start for the organization. Barry made his debut last uh, with the team last weekend at Texas, hosting the team's first top ten finish. Both Byron and Barry will be making their series track series debuts this weekend at Nashville Speedway. And uh, both of them are really excited about it, and I'm sure the team's got to be excited about it, too. Exactly. I think uh, everybody's got to be feeling pretty good uh, about uh, what's happening there uh, with that organization. The only bad side is that Timothy Peters is gone, uh, but I'm happy to see both of these drivers uh, be able to fill in and take those spots uh, for the team. Okay, so let's go ahead and move on to our Xfinity Series. The Xfinity Series Texas Lottery 250 at Nashville Super Speedway will be Saturday, June 19th at 3.30 p.m. Eastern. Uh, this is the first race for NBC Sports Network. Uh, at 3 p.m., they will start their pre-race coverage, and radio coverage will be on MRN and Sirius XM NASCAR Radio. They'll be racing a distance of 250.04 miles over 188 laps. Stage one and two, again, they're 45 laps each. Uh, and the last stage will end on the last lap, and it looks like it's going to be 98 laps for that final stage. Well, we just talked about him uh, making his second start in the truck series, but Barry bounces back to the top of the Sunoco Rookie of the Year standings in the Xfinity Series. And after making his 12th start this season last weekend at Texas Motor Speedway, junior motorsports driver Josh Berry retook the lead in the NASCAR Xfinity Series from Joe Gibbs Racing's rising star, Ty Gibbs. Berry is now a scant five points uh, up on Gibbs following Texas. And Barry is entered to make his series debut at Nashville Speedway this weekend. Uh, this season, Barry has put up one win, which came at Martinsville, three top fives, and six top ten, giving him a total of 277 points, uh, having picked up four awards on the year, 
Ty Gibbs also has four awards on the year, sitting at 272 points. Ryan Vargas also has four wins on the year, uh, only sitting, though, at 142 points. Jade Buford has been picking up steam here. He's got 65 points and one award. And Sam Mayer, we're still waiting on him to make his first start of the year. Right, and those were not wins for Ryan Vargas, but awards, meaning he was the highest finishing rookie of the race. Okay. Um, I'm sorry, what? I just said that is correct. I don't know if I said that wrong, but that is, yeah, just the award, which, it, like you said, does uh, mean they were the f- top finishing rookie. Correct. I think you said it was a win, and I I just wanted to clarify it. Okay, also in the Xfinity Series, Joe Gibbs Racing is going to add John Hunter Nemechek to the Xfinity Series driver lineup. That is big news uh, that they announced this week that John Hunter will uh, drive the number 54 Toyota in three NASCAR Xfinity Series races this season. Nemechek will make his JGR debut uh, starting at Bristol Motor Speedway on September 17th. Uh, He'll also race at Texas Motor Speedway on October 16th and at Phoenix Raceway on November 6th. So I think that could be a prelude. We may see John Hunter Nemechek uh, competing for a championship in the uh, Xfinity Series next year. Well, we have certainly uh, kicked his name around uh, when it comes to open rides, whether it be at Xfinity or Cup next year, so we'll have to see. Another one entering some uh, races now will be Austin Hill. He'll be running six Xfinity events for HRE. Hattori Racing Enterprises announced that the team will once again compete in the select Xfinity Series races this season, beginning with this weekend at Nashville Speedway. Austin Hill will pilot the number 61 Toyota in all six of those scheduled races. Asen, a longtime partner of HRE, is going to be on the car for four events, including this weekend. And Toyota Show will continue their partnership for two of the Xfinity Series events as well, and the Truck Series race at Pocono Raceway at the end of June. And the number... uh, the number 61 HRE uh, Toyota will also run at Pocono, Indianapolis, Michigan, the Charlotte Roval, and then a wrap up at Texas. So good to see HRE back in the Xfinity Series. Yes, indeed. I really like that organization. Okay. Um, bubble Trouble playoff shakeups continue. Kyle Bush was victorious once again in the Xfinity Series this time at Texas Motor Speedway. And with Bush's win, there are still seven spots left in the field for a driver to make it into the playoffs with a win or on points. Now, five Xfinity Series drivers are locked into the postseason on wins. They include Austin Sindrick, Justin Algauer, A.J. Allmendinger, Jeff Sutton, and Myatt Snyder. Daniel Hemrick holds the sixth spot in the standings and is the highest-ranked driver without a win so far in 2021. He's 155 points above the cut line currently. His Joe Gibbs Racing teammate, Harrison Burton, is behind him in seventh at 120 points from the cut line. And both of those drivers do have a good cushion right now, but a win 
would be preferred to make sure that they get into that postseason. Now, Colleague Racing's Justin Haley is sitting in eighth in the driver's standings playoff outlook. He is 102 points above the cut line and the only Colleague Racing driver not in the playoff on wins yet. Now, once we get to ninth in the standings, the points tighten up. you got Brandon Jones in ninth place. He's just 51 points up. No, Gregson in 10th at 28 points up. And Michael Lynette, who sits in 12th, he's 24 points above that cut line. Jeremy Clements is holding on to the final playoff spot, just 24 points up on Brandon Brown, who sits in 13th, the first spot outside the cutoff line. So actually, if you look at that, Michael Lynette and Jeremy Clements are pretty much tied. Uh, The drivers vying for the final spots in the playoffs, that are above the cut line in points, Annette and Clements are the only two that have previous experience at Nashville. That could bode well for them this weekend. Annette has made six starts at Nashville, posting one top ten, and Clements has made five starts at the 1.33-mile track, and a best finish for him is 19th. So uh, you've got Austin Sendrick, Almondinger, Al Gower, Jeb Burton, and Myatt Snyder all in and wins. Uh, then, as we mentioned, it goes from Daniel Hemrick to Jeremy Clements, position 6 through 12. And those below the cut line, Brandon Brown, Riley Earps, Ryan Seed, Landon Castle, and Alex LeBay take you through the 17th position. Alex LeBay being 132 points out. And Brandon Brown, as we mentioned, is uh, actually, actually it's a three-way tie there because uh, he's also 25, 24 points back. Uh, so I guess that's not really a tie. Uh, but, yeah, he's 24 points back, while Michael Lynette and Jeremy Clements are 24 points above that cut line. So it's going to get uh, exciting in these next few races because uh, the, the clock is ticking, if you will, uh, for these bubble drivers to make something happen. It most certainly is, and time's running out. But we got to look at the home of first-timers, which could be listed as Nashville. When it comes to Nashville Super Speedway and the Xfinity Series, it's known for being a track that drivers get their first career win on. Seven of the 14 race winners were first-time winners when the series competed at the track back from 2001 through 2011. That's half of the winners, or 50%. So this weekend, we might see our eighth new winner at the track with 30 of the 42 NASCAR, 30 of the 42 uh, Xfinity Series drivers entered still looking for their first win. We'll take a look back at them. Uh, let's see. April 14, 2001, that was Greg Biffle. 2002, on April 13th, Scott Riggs. Jack Sprague did it on June 8th of 2002. And then it was a jump to 2004 on June 12th. That was Jason Leffler. Reed Sorensen did it the following year, March 26th of 2005. And Clint Boyer also got his first win there on June 12th of 2005. And we had a little bit of a gap, and I saw this one on Twitter. Uh, June 7th, 2008, it was Brad Keselowski. That was when he was driving for Junior Motorsports in the 88. Now, there are quite a few Xfinity Series drivers that have come close to their first career win this season. Brandon Brown mentioned that a best finish of third at Phoenix Raceway. 
and has been hovering on that playoff cut line for the majority of the season. He's looking for that first Xfinity Series win. Another one that's been looking for a while, uh, Daniel Hemrick, and he's finished second or third in four races so far this season, uh, coming ever so close at Las Vegas Motor Speedway for his first Xfinity Series victory. Nashville Speedway could be that place where he gets it done. After a few tough breaks in the last four races, Hemrick finished fourth last weekend at Texas, which is what he and his number 18 team needed. Now, Harrison Burton, Justin Haley, Noah Gregson, and Brandon Jones are all drivers with previous wins, but they remain winless on the year. So they could also be ones to watch this weekend at Nashville, as none of them have more experience than the other at this track. So going to be interesting there. Uh, I'd have to go with that. I think we might see another first-time winner this weekend. Okay, well, time will tell the rest of that story, and I can't wait to see what happens. Okay, now there's 100 on the horizon for Kyle Busch. You might remember uh, that he got his 99th victory last week at Texas Motor Speedway. On top of the fact that he has experience and an Xfinity Xfinity Series race win at Nashville Super Speedway already to his name, Kyle Busch has even more incentive to take home another win this weekend. He's going for that all... uh, important 100th NASCAR Xfinity Series victory after grabbing that 99th win at Texas. If Bush wins this weekend, he becomes just the third driver in NASCAR National Series history to win 100 or more races in a single series. He'll be joining elite company in the NASCAR Hall of Famers uh, to include NASCAR Hall of Famers Richard Petty. He has 200 NASCAR Cup Series wins. And David Pearson with 105 NASCAR Cup Series wins. Bush is competing in his 19th Xfinity Series season. He has 359 starts, 99 wins, 22 top fives. I'm sorry, 222 top fives, 260 top tens, and 69 poles. His first start was at Charlotte Motor Speedway in 2003, where he started fifth and finished second for Hendrick Motorsports. He competed in seven races that season, and in 2004, he competed full-time for Rick Hendrick. He got his very first win that year at Richmond Raceway, and then he went on to win four more times that same season. He won the Rookie of the Year Award in 2004. The year Martin Truex Jr., is his now Joe Gibbs Racing teammate won the championship. In 2008, Bush joined Joe Gibbs Racing where 88 of his 99 wins came. In 2009, Bush won the Xfinity Series championship. Of note, 2010 was a career best season for Bush, winning a series record 13 races in a single year. Bush has also scored victories at Nashville in the Truck Series, He did that in 2010 and 11, and those were his first and only two starts at the track in the series. He also led 131 laps in 2010 and led 140 laps in 2011. So uh, I think he's going to be someone to reckon with this weekend at Nashville. 
Are you still there, Jay? Okay, I don't know if Jay has oh, the mute sorry. button on. No, yeah, that was okay. That was me. I had I had it on mute. Uh, I was going to say, Kyle, Kyle Bush is someone to reckon with no matter where you're racing, no matter what you're racing. So uh, <laughs> definitely true there. Yes, indeed. Now, the question does become, though, who has the upper hand when we come to Nashville? With some drivers hadn't, having made previous starts in the Xfinity Series at Nashville Super Speedway, those drivers might feel a little more confident heading into this weekend's race than others. Uh, again, especially for someone like Kyle Busch, who has won there before and coming off his 99th career Xfinity Series win last weekend at Texas Motor Speedway, as Sharon talked about. He'll mention, Bush will make his 11th career start this weekend at Nashville for the Xfinity Series. He has uh, one win coming in 2009, which came from the pole position, and then also four top fives and five top tens in those ten starts. An average finish of 8.9 with an average, I'm sorry, an average start of 8.9, average finish of 12.8. Has led a total of 490 laps and completed 2,197 of the 2,250 laps attempted. But some others to look at in six starts, Justin Algar has three top fives along with three top, the three top tens and one pole award. He's led a total of 58 laps as an average start of 11.2 and an average finish of 10.8. Now, Barris finished fourth three times, both races in 2010 and then most recently in 2011. Michael Annette's best finish also has six starts at Nashville. He came home ninth in 2010. His average start is 18.0, average finish of 17 flat. The other one we mentioned, uh, five starts for Jeremy Clements. He has a best finish in 19th, and that came in 2010 with, uh, in only two starts. Uh, oh, I'm sorry, in only two starts, Landon Castle is one that has a best finish in ninth coming in 2008. And J.J. Yaley, he will make his ninth start at, on Saturday at Nashville. He has a best finish of fourth, which came from 2006. In total, he has a one top five and three top tens with an average finish of 15.4. Another one with two Xfinity Nashville starts, Timmy Hill. He finished 33rd and 22nd. And David Starr has one start at the track where he finished 29th. So a lot of drivers with some experience, but uh, we'll have to see how that battles out against the top guys that are running up front week in and week out. And as we... Get ready to head to Music City, uh, Sharon. I'm sorry, I had the mute button on this time. <laughs> okay. They are heading to Music City, and uh, uh, it's all three series, but the Nashville Xfinity Series uh, will be racing the Tennessee Lottery 250 at 3.30 p.m. on NBC Sports Network, and uh, it's the 15th race of the season. The last time the Xfinity Series race at Nashville Super Speedway, as we mentioned earlier, was in 2011. And a few of the drivers entered to run in this weekend's race competed at Nashville back then. So uh, Jay mentioned several of those drivers, Justin Algauer, Michael Lynette, Jeremy Clements, Timmy Hill, J.J. Yaley, 
There's also David Starr, Landon Castle, and NASCAR Cup Series two-time champion Kyle Busch. Now, Joe Gibbs Racing's Bush is the only driver entered this weekend that has previously won at Nashville in 2009. Uh, they have the Speedway, Super Speedway, I should say, has hosted 21 Xfinity Series races in total, and the first Xfinity event there was on April 14th in 2001 when Greg Biffle took home the victory. Most recently, Carl Edwards won both races at Nashville in 2011, and uh, Brad Keselowski won in 2010. In total, there have been 15 different pole winners and 14 different race winners at the 1.3-mile track. The youngest Nashville winner, Joey Logano, in 2009, at 18 years, 10 months, and 18 days. The oldest winner is former series champion David Green, who won in 2003 at 45 years, 2 months, and 15 days. Only two races in history have been run from the pole or the first starting position. In 2005, Reed Sorensen won from the pole, and in 2009, Kyle Busch won from the pole. Clint Boyer's first Xfinity Series victory was at Nashville in 2005, and Brad Keselowski's first victory in the series was in 2008. Ricky Stenhouse Jr. made his first-ever Xfinity Series start in 2009 at Nashville. Of the active drivers in the series, Al Gower will make his seventh start at the Tennessee track, along with his junior motorsports teammate, Michael Lynette, doing the same. Kyle Busch is making his 10th start, and Clements will make his 6th. Landon Castle is making his 3rd start, as well as Timmy Green and David Starr making their 2nd career start at Nashville, and J.J. Yaley will make his ninth start. There are 42 cars entered in this weekend's Tennessee Lottery 250, and the race will be 250.04 miles or 188 laps. The event will be broken up in stages, as we mentioned earlier, uh, 45 laps in stage one and 45 laps in stage two. And uh, I believe, I can't remember what it was now, but I want to say 60 laps in the in the third stage. Actually, it's um, 90, it would be 98 laps in the third stage. There you go. So, okay, so there you have it for the Xfinity Series. Uh, we're going to go ahead and get right into the Cup Series. Uh, I'm hoping to have a little extra time left over here, one, for updates on the fantasy game for our fan for racing group, as well as maybe uh, a mention of a couple of other series here. So with that, Jay, we'll get right. right into it. The Alley, the Alley 400 at Nashville Super Speedway will be this Sunday, June the 20th. That's Father's Day. Uh, just a quick little reminder to everybody. Uh, the time is 3.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Again, it will be on NBC Sports Network starting at 2.45 p.m. Eastern Time. Radio coverage is on MRN and Sirius XM and NASCAR Radio. They'll be racing a distance of 399 miles over 300 laps. The first two stages, uh, well, the first stage ends on lap 90. 
The second stage ends on lap 185, which means that's a 95-lap event. And then the final stage ends on lap 300, which is, what, 115 laps for that final stage. All right. Well, we got a uh, a lot of uh, special guests at Nashville Speedway throughout the weekend, uh, including C.C. Winyand, Luke Combs, and Priscilla Block. That 12-time Grammy winner C.C. Winyand, a multi-platinum award-winning country superstar Luke Combs, and Music City rising star Priscilla Block, and then Brandon Lay. I'll be featured as part of Nashville Super Speedway's Dignitaries and Entertainment during the upcoming June 18th through 20th NASCAR Triple Header Weekend, uh, as the track officials have announced. C.C. Winions is a lauded gospel singer with a star on Hollywood's Walk of Fame and more than 5 million records sold. She will deliver the invocation on Sunday, June 20th, representing the Nashville Life Church prior to the inaugural sold-out Alley 400 NASCAR Cup Series race. We'll be starting at 2.30 p.m. Central Time, as mentioned on NBCSN. Luke Combs, who the New York Times calls the most promising and influential new country start of the last five years, he will serve as the Grand Marshal for the Alley 400, the first NASCAR Cup Series race in Nashville Super Speedway's history, and the first in Middle Tennessee in 37 years. The Asheville, North Carolina native is a multi-platinum ACM, CMA, CMT, and Billboard Music award-winning artist who continues to top the charts with 11 consecutive number one singles, including his most recent, the Platinum Certified Forever After All. The reigning 2019 and 2020 CME, CMA Male Vocalist of the Year will return to the stage this fall for his massive Headline Arena Tour, featuring a special new-in-the-round stage design and will re- perform his first Headline Stadium show at Boone, North Carolina's Kid Brewer Stadium coming up on September 4th. A Priscilla Block, the 25-year-old social media sensation, She'll sing the national anthem uh, <coughs> excuse me, uh, before the Ally 400. Block's debut single, Just About Over You, has reached the top 40 in country airplay charts after it was crowdfunded by thousands of her fans on TikTok. After the song's success, Block was signed by Universal Music Group of Nashville's Mercury Division back in September of 2020. Brandon Lay is a Jackson, Tennessee native and EMI Records Nashville singer and songwriter. He'll perform the national anthem prior to the Tennessee Lottery 250 NASCAR Xfinity Series race on Saturday, June 19th. That one also on NBCSN starting at 2.30 p.m. Central. Lay's Lay's top uh, singles include Speakers, Bleachers, and Preachers, Yada, 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 and For My Money. Now, he has toured with such acts as Kenny Chesney, Derek Bentley, Cole Swindell, and Old Dominion. And Brennan Boone, who won the most, uh, won the recent NASCAR, NASCAR, sorry, uh, Superstar Sweepstakes fan vote, 
will sing the national anthem prior to the Rackley Riffin 200, which is the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series race. That'll be Friday, June 18th, tomorrow night. Be on FS1 at 7 p.m. Central. Now, this singer and songwriter made her way to Nashville from her hometown of Erie, Pennsylvania, and just released her newest single, Want It Like That, across all streaming platforms. Yeah, just a quick correction. It's Brenna Bone, not Brenna Boone. Okay. Uh, Going through some of the other uh, race weekend dignitaries here, if we haven't mentioned, uh, Friday, June 18th, for the Rackley Roofing 200 NASCAR Camping World Truck Series. You got welcoming welcoming remarks from Eric Moses, Nashville Super Speedway President, Curtis Sutton, the Rackley Roofing Company President and CEO, Michelle Boykin, uh, COO of Rackley Roofing Company. The invocation will be Pastor Alan Jackson of the World Outreach Church out of Murfreesboro, Tennessee. The honor guard will be Lebanon High School Junior ROTC. Mention the national anthem, uh, Breda, Brenna Bone, a Nash Carr superstar winner. The grand marshal will be Randall Hutton. At a Wil- uh, as a Wilson County Mayor. Honorary starter will be David Blair, of Rackley Roofing Representative. And the post-race fireworks display at a, is from Pyrotechnicio. Uh, for Saturday, June 19th, the Tennessee Lottery 250 NASCAR Xfinity Series race. Welcoming remarks again will be Eric Moses. Uh, Rebecca Hargrove, also a Tennessee Lottery President and CEO. Invocation will be Pastor Chris Nichols out of Cross Point Church in Nashville, Tennessee. Saturday's Honor Guard, that'll be the National Fallen Firefighters Foundation. Mentioned the uh, National Anthem, that'll be Brandon Lay, the EMI Records Nashville singer and songwriter. Grand Marshal will be the CEO and President of Tennessee Lottery, Rebecca Hargrove. And the honorary starter will be Shay Ralph who's a seven-time national champion as a player and coach, current Vanderbilt U- University women's basketball head coach. And the evening fireworks show again will be from Pyrotechnicio. For the Cup Series, the NASCAR Cup Series, Ally, sorry, Ally 400 on Sunday, June 20th. The pre-race concert will be by Chris Jansen, country music uh, artist, and Grand Old Opry member John Anderson, who's a country music legend. One more time, uh, Eric Moses will there be there, the Nashville Speedway, Super Speedway President, Eric Moses, as well as Tennessee Governor Bill Lee, Andrew, Andrea Brimmer, who's the Chief Marketing and Public Relations Officer for Ally Financial. Mentioned the invocation of the CC Winnings uh, for the Nashville Life Church. The Honor Guard will be the 101st Airborne Division Honor Guard, Fort Campbell, Kentucky, that's a U.S. Army base. Mentioned Priscilla Block, the country music artist, will be doing the national anthem. Luke Combs, country music superstar, will be the Grand Marshal. And then the flyover will be the Bandit Flight Team, a nonprofit dedicated to saluting our military men and women. And the honorary starter for Sunday's race, Bernard Pollard, who is a nine-year NFL veteran, 
and a former Tennessee Titan from 2013 and 2014. So a lot of stars out for this one as we hit Nashville. First time for the Cup Series and a return for all their other uh, national touring series. Yes, indeed. Now, Chris Jansen, he's going to be performing that pre-race concert prior to the Ally 400 on Father's Day. Uh, a Grand Old Opry member and platinum-selling recording artist will perform the pre-race concert on track at Nashville Super Speedway prior to the Ally 400 on Sunday, June the 20th. Now, Jansen will display his high-octane, multi-instrumental talents on a stage near the start-finish line between the morning Cup Series qualifying session, which is at 10.05 a.m., and the afternoon Ally 400 at 2.30 p.m. Eastern. The first, again, it's the first Cup Series race in Middle Tennessee in 37 years. So the grandstand gates open at 9 a.m. on Father's Day. The 35-year-old Missouri native had his first hit single with Buy Me a Boat, which topped the charts, reached double platinum status, and earned the iHeartRadio Music Awards Country Song of the Year Award after its release in 2015. Jansen's latest album, Real Friends, includes the singles Good Vibes and Done, both of which reached number one on the U.S. country airplay charts. So uh, really good to hear that Chris Jansen will be performing that concert. But this is what I'm really excited about is this next segment, Jay. Well, it should be no surprise. Gibson partners with Nashville Speedway for its June 18th through 20th NASCAR triple header weekend. Gibson is the world's most famous guitar manufacturer and a staple of Nashville's music scene for generations. They're partnering with Nashville Super Speedway to create that one-of-a-kind victory lane prize for America's best drivers. Nashville Super Speedway victory lane celebration became one of the most talked about in NASCAR during the track's early days from 2001 to 2011, with the ultimate reward uh, being a Sam Bass-designed Gibson guitar being presented to winning drivers. With NASCAR's returning to Middle Tennessee on the June 18th through 20th weekend, including the inaugural Alley 400 NASCAR Cup Series race on Father's Day, uh, Sunday, June 20th, that tradition will continue with a special Gibson guitar among the prizes and honors awaiting all of the Super Speedway's race winners in victory lane. So that is really cool uh, to see that come back. I know a lot of drivers talk about that being one of the most unique trophies uh, throughout all of NASCAR. And, and one that everybody wants. Okay, the playoff well, bubble certainly. again. Here we go. <laughs> Ten races to go in the regular season. Time is starting to run short for the drivers not already locked into the NASCAR Cup Series playoffs with just t- 10 races left in the regular season. Rush Fenway Racing's Chris Busher in 16th in the final transfer spot of the postseason has opened up a very sizable points cushion, 60 points over Wood Brother Racing's Matt Benedetto in 17th. With such a large points deficit between the drivers in the top 16 and not and those not, a win might be the only way for a driver on the outside looking in to make the playoffs with so few races left in the regular season. Of the drivers outside the current top 16 driver playoff outlook, six 
our former NASCAR Cup Series winners. That includes uh, Kurt Busch, who's 18th, Ricky Stenhouse in 19th, Ryan Newman in 23rd, Eric Jones in 25th, Cole Custer in 27th, and Eric Almirola, surprisingly, in 28th place. Kurt Busch, with 32 career Cup Series wins, is currently 18th in the playoff outlook. He's 63 points outside from Kush Busher in 16th. The final playoff transfer position. Among the nine upcoming tracks that make up the rest of the regular season, Bush is a one at five of those tracks, including Daytona, Michigan, Pocono, New Hampshire, and Atlanta. This will be his NASCAR Series debut, though, at Nashville this weekend. Ricky Stenhouse, who's a two-career NASCAR Cup Series wins, is currently 19th in the playoff outlook. He's aged two points behind the postseason cut line. Among the nine upcoming tracks that make up the rest of the regular season, Stenhouse, is a one, Stenhouse has a win at Jeff Daytona, and that was in July of 2017. He did make five Xfinity Series starts at Nashville, posting a best finish of runner-up, though, in 2011. Ryan Newman, with 18 NASCAR Cup Series wins, is currently 23rd, in the playoff points. He's 104 points back from Chris Buescher, who has that transfer spot. Among the nine tracks left on the regular season cup schedule, uh, Newman has won at four of those tracks, including Daytona, Michigan, Pocono, and New Hampshire. This weekend is also Newman's track series debut at Nashville. Eric Jones, with two career Cup Series wins, is right now 25th on the playoff points. He's 119 points behind the postseason cut line. And among the nine upcoming tracks that will make up the rest of the regular season, Jones has a win at Just Daytona in July of 2018. This weekend is also his track debut at Nashville Super Speedway. Cole Custer has one career Cup Series win. He won at Kentucky last year and is right now 27th in the playoff outlook, 138 points behind Chris Busher in 16th. This weekend will be Custer's track debut at Nashville. Eric Almarola has two career Cup Series win, wins. He's 28th in the playoff points, 186 points back from Busher. And among the nine tracks left on the regular season, uh, Almarola has won at Jeff Daytona. That was at, in July of 2014. Almarola has made four starts at Nashville in both the Xfinity Series and the Camping World Truck Series. His best finish in the Xfinity Series at Nashville was a fifth in 2011. His best finish in the Truck Series at Nashville was a third in 2010. Well, Kyle Larson, believe it or not, uh, if you haven't been paying attention, is looking for his third straight points-paying cup race win. Driving for Hendrick Motorsports, Kyle Larson has been performing lights out lately, winning the Coca-Cola 600 at Charlotte Motor Speedway three weeks ago then conquering the Hilly Course of Sonoma Raceway two weeks ago, and finally capturing his second career NASCAR All-Star race win, which came at Texas Motor Speedway last weekend. 
now the 28-year-old is looking to get his third straight points-paying race win, which would come this weekend at Nashville Super Speedway, to become just the fifth different active driver to accomplish the feat, uh, joining Kyle Busch, Kevin Harvick, Brad Keselowski, and Joey Logano. We look at those uh, streaks, three or more by active drivers. Kyle Busch at three did it uh, from was it, July 11, 2015 through July 26, 2015, and did it again from April 8th of 18 to April 21st of 2018. Kevin Harvick also did it in 18, 2018. He did it from February 25th through March 11th. Brad Keselowski's streak of three was from September 2nd of 2018 through the 18th of September in 2018. Uh, Joey Logano's goes back a little further. His was from October 11th of 2015 through October 25th of 2015. And this weekend will be Larson's NASCAR National Series debut at Nashville Speedway, as again, the Cup Series hasn't run there ever before. Okay. We mentioned this is the first time that uh, they're racing at Nashville in the Cup Series. Well, anyone with previous experience there could have an advantage this weekend. Experience is always key in high-level competition, and this weekend, of course, is going to be no different for those drivers in the Cup Series at Nashville Super Speedway. But this weekend being the track debut on the Cup Series schedule and with no NASCAR National Series competition at the track since 2011, anyone with experience is few and far between amongst the current competitors. Looking through the preliminary Cup Series entry list for this Saturday's Ally 400, and of the 39 competitors entered, only 14 have made one, at least one start in a NASCAR National Series event in Nashville. Team drivers with starts at Nashville, only five have previously won a NASCAR National Series race at the 1.33-mile track, led by Joe Gibbs Racing's Kyle Busch with three three National Series victories. He has Xfinity Series one win in 2009, in the Truck Series two wins in 2010 and 11. Kevin Harvick has two wins in the Xfinity Series in 2006 and 10. Brad Keselowski has two wins in 2008 and 10. Austin Dillon has two truck wins. Uh, I'm sorry, one truck win in 2011. And Joey Logano has one Xfinity Series win in 2009. The remaining drivers that are entered this weekend with previous National Series starts at Nashville without a win include Eric Amarola, Matt DiBenedetto, Denny Hamlin, the 2021 Daytona 500 winner, Michael McDowell, David Starr, Ricky Stenhouse Jr., Martin Truex Jr., and J.J. Yaley. So that should make this uh, pretty interesting this weekend. It certainly will. And I know this uh, used to take place at, at Michigan, but this will be the Father's Day Spectacular as Nashville Super Speedway sets the stage for the NASCAR Cup Series to be the Alley 400 starting at 3.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Again, it'll be covered on NBCSN, MRN, on Sirius XM NASCAR Radio and marked the first time in Sirius history 
that the Nashville Super Speedway will host a cup event. Now, Nashville Super Speedway hosted its first NASCAR National Series race all the way back in April of 2001. Through 2011, the 1.33-mile D-shaped oval uh, with its 14 degrees of banking in in the turns was home to 21 NASCAR Xfinity Series races and 13 NASCAR Camping World Truck Series events. In 2021, the Nashville is scheduled to host its first NASCAR Cup Series race, which will be this Sunday, June 20th, which is Father's Day. And the Father's Day event will be the first NASCAR Cup Series race in the Nashville area since 1984. And that was when the series last competed at the Nashville Fairground Speedway. And that's a .549-mile paved oval. That was on July 14, 1984. And the race was won by Jeff Bodine, driving the number five Chevrolet for Hendrick Motorsports. So how about that? <laughs> Got a new driver in the five, but it could be back in victory lane. Uh, Nashville Speedway is the largest concrete-only track in NASCAR, and the 1.33-mile speedway is owned by Dover Motorsports Incorporated, which also coincidentally owns Dover International Speedway over in Delaware. Now, this weekend's Alley 400 will be the 44th different race in the NASCAR, the NASCAR Cup Series has hosted on Father's Day in the modern era, which runs from 1972 through the present. It's the first time since 2007 that the series has competed on the special holiday. Racing on Father's Day has been a staple in the NASCAR Cup Series, with only six seasons since 1972 not having a Father's Day race. That was uh, 2000. June 19, 2000, the Pocono race was scheduled for Father's Day, but postponed due to weather due to the next day. In 2015, 16, 18, 19, and 2000, there just was no race scheduled on Father's Day. Actually, it's 2020. What's it? I'm sorry, 2020 was the last one, yes. Uh, Nashville Super Speedway will become the fifth different track to host a NASCAR Cup Series event on Father's Day, joining Michigan International Speedway, which hosted 30 of them. Pocono Raceway has hosted eight. Uh, Riverside International Raceway uh, hosted three, and Sonoma Raceway has hosted two. Again, looking at the modern era of 1972 to now, no driver has won more times on Father's Day than NASCAR Hall of Famer Cale Yarbrough, who won four times at Michigan International Speedway on the observed holiday. He did it in 1977, 78, 82, and 83. Now, other winners, uh, this, again, doesn't uh, bode well for the competition. Kyle Larson's done it before, June 18th, uh, 2017 at Michigan. Uh, Denny Hamlin, June 19th, 2011, as well. All of these actually came at Michigan. Uh, Ryan Newman did it back on June 20th in 2004. And Kurt Busch on June 15th in 2003. That most recent uh, one to win on Father's Day, as I mentioned, in the Cup Series was Kyle Larson. Uh, And Larson is red hot this season, winning the three points paying races uh, leading into this, Las Vegas Speedway, Charlotte, and Sonoma, as well as the NASCAR All-Star Race, 
and posting nine top fives and 11 top tens in that stretch. Yes, indeed. So I think fans have a lot to look forward to this weekend, and I think uh, uh, I hope Nashville continues to be, at least at this point, I hope Nashville continues to be on the schedule. So uh, we'll have to wait and see what happens this weekend, uh, but uh, it should be a lot of fun for all. Uh, I hope that folks that live out in that area are able to make it out to the tracks. Well, they obviously uh, plan on it as the, the event was sold out. Yes, indeed. Okay, so uh, we've got just a, three minutes here. Let's go ahead and give our fantasy team update. All right. Uh, for the truck series, we're going to talk about minuscule points here. Uh, truck series, Sharon is leading that one, is sitting at 47 points has a one-point lead over myself at 46, Andy's at 43, Mike at 40, Tommy 37, Owen's at 34, Sam at 30, and, whoops, James at 25. 22 points from top to bottom in the truck series. On the Xfinity side, it is Mike at 59, who has a one-point lead over Andy at 58. Sam's at 52, James 49, Uh, Jay, myself at 48, Owen at 42, as well as Tommy, and Sharon's at 37, also puts that one at 22 points from top to bottom. On the cup side, I have a tremendous lead. I'm at 91, Mike is at 85, so I have a whopping six-point lead. (laughs) Uh, Sam is at 79, Sharon's at 78, Owen at 72, James is at 67, Tommy at 57, and Andy is sticking with Briscoe through thick and thin. He sits at 37 points, uh, but he's not giving up on Chase Briscoe. I know he took him again this weekend. No, not not at all. And through it it all here, the overall, I have 185 points. Mike has 184. There, my my point lead is one point. Sharon, you're at 162. You have a one point advantage over Sam at 161. Owens at 148. James at 141. Andy at 138. And Tommy at 136. So overall, there only a 49 point difference for all three series. That is just phenomenal this year. That's about as close as you can be. Uh, one point advantage in trucks, one point advantage in, in uh, Xfinity, six points in the Cup Series, and one point on the overall. It, it, it's uh, pretty exciting to see how that's uh, playing out this year. Okay, we are at the 9.30 mark which means that it is time for NASCAR Hot Topic Sound Off, and I believe this is uh, Tommy who is joining us. Welcome to the show, Tommy. Hey, thanks for having me. Or maybe, well, we're always glad to have you. And uh, also, I know he said he was planning on being here tonight, uh, is Mike Orzel. He's not here yet, uh, but I will bring him into the queue once he does arrive. 
so with that, uh, while we're waiting for him, I'm going to go ahead and mention a couple of things I didn't get to mention on the earlier part of the show. Uh, one is that the XR, SRX series is racing this weekend, the Camping World SRX series, and they listened to fans and made some changes. Uh, they revised the procedure for the starting grid. They've adjusted the feature link and more driver identification on the race cars starting at Knoxville this weekend. So just really glad to hear uh, that they are responding to fan reaction uh, so quickly with just the second race out of the books. So they'll be racing uh, this weekend at 8 p.m. Eastern Time on CBS Television Network. Uh, And uh, let's see, it doesn't say what day, though. It's this weekend. I think it's Saturday that that race takes place. Yeah, I do believe it is Saturday. Yeah, I I think it is, too. The other thing that I wanted to uh, mention real quick is the SRL uh, is in a very heated competition. Uh, Derek Thorne and Buddy Shepard uh, continue their championship fight this weekend at Kern County Raceway. And that's going to be a fun race to watch. That's on June 26th. Uh, and you can get the details at srlsouthwesttour.com uh, of exactly when, what time. But uh, this is an exciting uh, competition between these two drivers. You've got the veteran in Derek Thorne. You've got the new guy or the up-and-coming driver in Buddy Shepard. And uh, these guys are, are really making this series exciting this year to watch. So I really want to encourage fans to check that out. So with that, I'm checking to see if Mike has tuned in yet. Uh, Let me get back to that. And my computer is giving me a hard time here. Okay. Well, that that probably Everyone's means Mike well. is trying to trying to call it, call in if the computer's giving you a hard time. <laughs> well, it gets real glitchy here every once in a while, and right now it is being very glitchy. But uh, Mike is here. We'll bring him into the queue. Welcome muted. to the and show, Mike. Jay's taking shots at me while I'm on mute, and I can't even defend myself. Heyo, everybody. <laughs> well, we're glad to have you here. Uh, my computer is being very, very glitchy here tonight. Uh, so I apologize for the delay in bringing you into the queue here. Uh, but let's, I kind of am off track here again. Okay, so let's go ahead and get into our hot topic sound off. And for some reason, I hope you guys are all there. My switchboard is saying nobody is on which we know is not true. Okay, there it's better now. Okay, uh, let's go ahead and get into the hot topics. So uh, since you were late, I'm going to go with you first, uh, Mike. You're talking, okay, for me, um, I didn't bring up any, I don't know if I brought up any in the uh, actual uh, thread myself. So I'm going to steal one from Jay here because, Nothing makes me happier than Jay being not happy. Uh, GMS announced today that they're going to be going cup racing next year. So we've got another new, not new to the sport, obviously, but new to the cup series level, um, a new ownership in the uh, the cup series for next year. Okay. So, Tommy, what are your thoughts about that? 
uh, more open seats for uh, drivers that are going to be moving around. So I like it. And possibly some rookies coming up from the truck or Xfinity series uh, for those, uh, for that seat. Um, I feel like uh, they said that they've been competitive and they have been, they've been competitive in the trucks. Um, I, I remember when Spencer Gallagher uh, got his, uh, I think that was his name. He got the Xfinity win at Talladega. I, I remember that. Um, so I'm excited to see them go from truck to uh, cup. I'm surprised that um, maybe they didn't want to do Xfinity first, but everybody's jumping on board. I mean, you got track house wanting to expand. Um, Denny Hamlin and Michael Jordan want to expand. So there's just, there's going to be plenty of seats. It sounds like, and uh calling racing. So yeah, I'm excited to see next year. It's going to be awesome. There's going to be drivers moving around new guys, new cars, new paint schemes. Love it. Okay. Jay, your thoughts. Well, I guess since uh, he was on hold and couldn't defend himself as I took those shots at him, he has the right to steal uh, not only the hot topic, but also the race picks in front of me uh, so far tonight. But um, I'm I'm with Tommy. I'm excited about it, but also have a little bit of concern and Tommy mentioned it, they did do the Xfinity, uh, and I, don't, I, I didn't look at their history of how far back it was, and then they shut it down. And we actually anticipated them moving up, and I'm trying to remember who the driver we thought was going to move into that ride that there was talk that they might come up and be a Hendrick Alliance team. Um, not real many years ago. I, I know we talked about it, and we're, we're excited about it and thinking about who the driver might be. Um, so my concern is that they they shut the Xfinity series down. They went back to the trucks to focus on it, and they have done so and uh, obviously returned to a top-level organization there. To come right back then to go to the Cup series and, and skip back over the Xfinity series, a little concern there. I'm not saying it can't be done, but I do like the way they have run their program, and obviously they have the capability to get to the top level, so... It's not a great concern, just still a little bit of trepidation, though, with it when it comes to that. And I, I can't even imagine once we get to start having the conversation of who might be the driver for the for the team. <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of anxious to see who that's going to be. Um, I will I'll say that I, I'm kind of in agreement here. I'm excited, uh, in agreement with Tommy, uh, that we're getting so many new teams coming into the Cup Series. Uh, GMS Racing, uh, I, I know we've talked about it, Jay, how impressed we are with how well they did so quickly uh, coming in from the Arkham Menard Series to the Camping World Truck Series and having a lot of success. You're right, they kind of had a, a, a step back with the Xfinity Series, and that is a reason to be concerned. Uh, but I've got a feeling that they've really – uh, taking that step back so that they could focus on the on the extended on the cups on the truck series, but I don't know. Um, they do have a lot of good things going on, I guess, at GMS. But I wouldn't say this is one of their banner years in the in the uh, truck series. So I think that that does kind of give you cause to kind of take a step back and just question. Are they kind of moving a little bit too fast here? Um, if they do what they did when they came from the Arkham Art Series to the Camping World Truck Series, 
uh, they were able to make that transition very smoothly. Uh, but as we all know, it's a little bit tougher when you're going up that ladder to get into the Xfinity Series and the Cup Series. Time will tell the rest of the story, as we always say. Uh, but I, I do think that there's reason for a little bit of concern as well. And uh, I hope it works out for them. Uh, I like the idea that there are more seats open for some of the up-and-coming drivers uh, that are coming up through the ranks here. And, uh, you know, we always caution that we don't want them coming up too fast either. Uh, but I do think that there, there is a need to have more uh, seats available. So, Mike, I'm curious to know your thoughts. I think you guys put it right, that this is a bit of a head-scratcher in some ways. GMS Racing has really kind of reinvented themselves over the past few years. The team got its start when Maurice Gallagher wanted to take his son Spencer racing, and Maurice built the team around Spencer. He started in the truck. Mm -hmm. They had a couple of the trucks, but it was always Spencer Gallagher and the rest of GMS. And they went through the Xfinity Series. Spencer got that win at Talladega like Tommy's talking about. And then he got into some trouble with the, with the drugs. And then he got suspended. And he came back for a little while. But I think, I think he just finished out that season and then moved into an undisclosed or at least not, the, not at the top of my head management role at GMS. And the departure of Spencer Gallagher really sent that team scrambling back to figure out what their whole plan is. And I think, you know, they, they made the right move to focus on truck racing. Obviously, they won the championship last year with Sheldon Creed. They won races with Zane Smith and with Chase Elliott in the truck, and their trucks seem to be competitive year over year. The thing that really concerns me about their trucks, especially this year, is they don't have a lot of sponsorship on them. Uh, Sheldon Creed tends to run an all-white truck. Zane Smith tends to run an all-black truck. That doesn't tell a story about a team that's in a great financial position. Now, Maurice Gallagher is the owner of Allegiant Airlines. So I know he's got some deep pockets, but it's not like the airline industry is doing phenomenal right now either. So I'm sure there's some limitations to how much Maurice can reach into his pocket to self-fund their own team. I understand the Gen 7 car is supposed to cut costs in cup racing, but I'm not sure if it's going to cut it down to the point where it's going to be comparable to what a truck series team costs right now. I don't know what those numbers are. I don't think that they're publicly available, and obviously it's going to be very dependent on the level of competitiveness that each team wants to bring to the table with whatever car that they field. And speaking of cars that aren't very competitive, there's one guy who's super happy about this announcement, and that's Rick Ware, because he's sitting on four Cup Series charters right now that are going up in value very quickly with all these other teams looking to either join the Cup Series or expand into the Cup Series. And Rick Ware is in a great position to make a whole lot of money on those charters that he bought for not a whole lot of money earlier. Okay. Tommy, your follow-up? Yeah, I was going to say, whatever happened to Spence Ray, yeah, that was exactly what happened. I remember after he won that Dagger race, he kind of just disappeared and then didn't really race again. Um, and I was wondering what happened to the sponsorship, too, because I did know that Allegiant was, like, their their company. Their dad's like, was the owner or something. So I was like, why don't they just use that at GMS? But um, I remember the paint scheme. To, it was the 23 blue and orange car, Dega. But mm-hmm. I'm just excited that he's going to the cup level, and I'm curious to see who he brings up. I mean, Sheldon Creed's a champion in the Trump series, and I'm wondering who's going to be – rookies with Austin Cindric. Uh, I mean, something's got to give it uh, Joe Gibbs because Ty Gibbs is going to be in a car full-time next year. 
Harrison Burton did good last year, and I mean he's already ran a few Cup races this year. But there's going to be. It sounds like there's going to be plenty of seats available, though. Oh, okay, Jay, your follow-up. Well, Mike, Mike got me again there, and I thought I could return it, but he got both his points in. There is a little bit of concern, uh, as you mentioned, with the sponsorship deal uh, with the GMS machines. Uh, one thing I will say of, as Tommy mentioned, that uh, Allegiant uh, Airlines, being that it's known that's where the Gallagher money comes from, I think the reason they choose to leave it white is then to attract sponsors. Just like we talk about HendrickMotorsports.com being on Kyle Larson's call, car. Either way, that's what's, who's footing the bill and where the money's coming from. I think by leaving it all white or black, in, in the case of Zane Smith, uh, makes it be known that they don't want to have that sponsor on there, even though that's where the money's coming from. So I think there is a strategy to that. Uh, whereas Hendrick has decided he likes advertising. If it's an unsponsored race, he's going to go ahead and put his uh, organization out there. Uh, just a difference in, in marketing strategy, I think. Um, but Mike is right. I, th- I think there are not just Rick Ware, but that's the primary one. I think Spire Motorsports, if they're not yet in the position to expand, I know it was rumored that uh, the money team of Floyd Mayweather was supposed to be taking one of their charters, uh, so we'll have to see if somebody partners up with them and gets one of theirs as well. But these teams that have them uh, now is definitely going to be a seller's market uh, for them. Yeah, it's definitely going to be an interesting year. Uh, the new car is going to cost uh, for a lot of these guys, and I think that's part of the reason why we are seeing them come into uh, so many different teams coming into the series. Uh, but if it all works out, it's going to be a win-win uh, across the board here. Uh, we just have to kind of wait and wait it out and see if it does work out. Uh, and as you mentioned, Rick Ware uh, is going to be one of the biggest uh, winners out of it all. Uh, but, yeah, I don't have a whole lot to add. Uh, I think everybody brought up some good points. So what are your final thoughts, Mike? Well, Tommy said it. Uh, we've got butts in the air, and now we've got seats that may be a place for those butts to land. So silly season set to get sillier, and it's probably not the last topic we're going to talk about this evening regarding silly season either. It's probably not. <laughs> okay, Tommy, let's go to you next for the next hot topic. Let's go with the uh, electric series as an exhibition. The electric series? The cars. Okay, so. Uh, Jay, you want to go ahead and tackle that topic? Well, I'm probably not the one to go to on this. Uh, y'all know my feelings on iRacing, and I think I'd almost rather watch iRacing than I would electric cars. Um, that's just my first initial statement and judgment. I know I'm supposed to withhold that, but. I know it's the wave of the future. Uh, I think it was Chocolate Myers uh, this afternoon on, on Sirius XM uh, said, you know, this is the direction it's going to go. It's going to be here sooner than, sooner than later. Uh, but I can't say I'm necessarily excited about it. We'll have to see how it goes. I think it said the plan was that they were going to do some exhibition stuff here. Uh, let me see if I can find 
Yeah. I wasn't the one. What it was on Twitter, but, uh, yeah, I can't say I'm necessarily looking forward to it, but it could be one of those that does turn out to be real good. I'll have to wait and see, and if that's the case, I will uh, eat my crow and acknowledge it. Um, but it's not something I can say I'm excited for at this point in time. Okay, Mike, your thoughts. Okay, so if we did a prices, not a prices, right, a family feud type survey, you go find 100 people and you ask them what the fastest production car in the world is. I bet you could show me a Corvette, show me a, a hopped up Hellcat Challenger, show me a Ferrari. Those would all show up on the list and every single one of them would be wrong. The fastest production car available for sale right now is the Tesla Model S. So electric cars can be bad fast. Now, with that said, I don't know if the kind of fast that electric cars brings to the table is compatible with the kind of racing that NASCAR does. If you look at Formula E, the electric I don't want to say equivalent, but, you know, it's an open-wheel electric car series that's been running for several years. They've got quite a few substantial limitations, all of it having to do with the amount of energy that can be stored and the batteries that are available for the car. Um, obviously, the faster the car goes, the more demand is on those batteries and the less time those batteries are going to take to discharge to the point where the car can't drive anymore. Whereas a Tesla might get three or 400 miles of regular highway driving out of a battery charge, I'm not sure what the range is at 200 miles an hour. I'm sure the car can do 200, but it might be only able to do 200 for 10 minutes or so, and that doesn't make for much of a race to watch. So where they go in terms of formatting and how they present the series, I'm really interested to see. Um, the advantage that stock car-type vehicles have is they've got a lot more room inside of them. If you take an open-wheel Formula One indie car size car, like they use for Formula E, you don't have a whole lot of room for big batteries versus if you take a NASCAR-style stock car, you can put bigger batteries in there, so that might help overcome some of the energy limitations they've got with the series. I'm with Jay. I'm not super jazzed up about watching electric cars race, but at the same time, I'm willing to give it a shot. I'm not biased against electric cars. I'm more than willing to acknowledge that they are bad fast, and they can turn a corner really well as well because the battery gives them such a low center of gravity. A Tesla handles substantially better than you would think it would. I watch them regularly beat people at autocrosses. Everyone kind of looks down their nose at it because, oh, it's a family car. It's an electric car. A Tesla can hang with the best of them. But can it hold up to the demands of major professional motorsports? I don't know, but I'm interested to see. Well, I think it's important to uh, – let me just kind of reposition here the statement from Adam Stern about this. It says, NASCAR is exploring starting an all-electric companion series in coming years per sources as it adapts to a changing car market. Now, Steve Phelps hinted at it in an answer – uh, to Auto Week USA at Daytona at a Daytona 500 presser, could we have an exhibition series potentially? And the answer was we could. So this is the answer to that. Here's the here's the situation that they're dealing with, and I think it's good that they are exploring it. Um, and I think that it's it's wise to just not to kind of temper yourself at this point. But the industry is changing to electric cars as a whole. 
So NASCAR recognizes that they are going to have to adapt to the industry changes that are taking place. So um, uh, that's why I think they're exploring this as an exhibition series. Uh, and until they can kind of work out all of the things that Mike's talking about. Um, and, and I think that there are possibly some things that they're looking at uh, that might not be in a streetcar, but something that they could put into these exhibition cars that they're talking about. Um, but I think it would be not a good idea for NASCAR not to explore it. I think they're wise to be exploring it at this point, considering that the entire industry is moving to electric cars uh, at some point in the future. So I give them kudos for kind of uh, stepping up and kind of checking into it now as, a ver- as opposed to waiting till it happens and then being behind the curve. So, uh, and I think that as fans, we have to look at this as an evolution. This is something that's going to evolve over time. It's not something that's going to happen overnight. Yeah, will we have some exhibition series maybe soon where we can kind of see what happens with these all-electric cars in a series? We probably will, but it's going to be an evolution. And I think that's what we have to be patient about is the evolution process. So, Tommy, I'd like to get your thoughts. I'm optimistic. Uh, I'm excited. Uh, Well, kind of excited. I'm thinking about if you think about the future, I mean, Tesla could be competing in NASCAR. That's pretty cool. Um, potentially, since he's the top electric, I wouldn't see why they will. I don't know if Elon Musk would be interested, but that would just be cool. Um, if Tesla was competing in NASCAR, it is going to be the future, but I'm with you guys. I don't know if it's capable of competing like that, but um, it's interesting and it sounds like it'll just be more racing if they do a uh, another series. Okay, Jay, follow up. Well, I got a couple of things. I mean, I understand again, as you said, the, the evolution of the industry, but also there are some things that you just can't take away from NASCAR racing and what it is. Uh, and, and one of them being that it, it, it's based off stock car. We already know the fan base we've lost uh, that claim they aren't stock cars no more, what we lost there. You talk about tracks that we've lost because of the evolution, and we need to go to bigger markets, and that hurt NASCAR. So that's where I think they got to be careful about this. Uh, I know Sharon's not going to want to hear it, but you're taking away the ingenuity and the ability to push the limits. You take away the, the, the motor <laughs> and, and that of how you're going to cheat using, I mean, excuse me, push it to the limit on a battery pack versus an engine. Um, So I I think there are some things to look at that as far as how far away from stock car racing can you go. Uh, I I do understand that it is the evolution, and, and like I said, you know, especially as an exhibition and see how it goes, I will watch it and see what it's about and give it that chance. Uh, but I can't use the word that Tommy used of optimistic because, like I said, I, I'm not necessarily a big fan of it. Okay, Mike, your follow-up? So you may or may not know this, but I'm kind of an immature guy. Um, I'm, I'm a bit of a hick at heart, and 
So I had the, uh, the, the whole drivetrain out of my car uh, a couple weeks ago because I had to take the transmission out. And part of that, I had to disconnect the exhaust system. So I was sitting there on open headers. And what did I do being the child that I am? I started the car up and I ran it on open headers and blasted my neighbors as loud as I could with that V8. Why? Because it's fun. And I really enjoy doing it. And the reason I'm telling that story is because I think that is one thing that an electric car racing series is going to be a very tough sell for. Guys like me who enjoy going to the track or even just hearing it on TV, that loud, roaring, visceral sound of 40, 38, however many you got, big V8 engines all screaming by at 200 miles an hour, and the hum and whine of electric cars just won't do it. Yes, Fast cars racing is appealing to me, but at the same time, there's other things with, or within the sport that I also find appealing as well. And unless you put some big fake speakers out there, there's really no way you're going to be able to duplicate that with electric cars. And even if you try doing it with speakers, everyone's going to know it's fake. We're looking at you, Ford. We know you pipe in fake sounds in your Mustang because it's, everyone knows it. So having that visceral feeling I try and convey that to people who've never been to a race before when I tell them that they need to go. It's something you can't get on TV. If you go stand up against the fence at a place like Daytona or Talladega and you got 40 cars screaming by at 200 miles an hour, every single but one of those big V8s at 9,000 RPM screaming, you can't put, get that out of an electric car. And that's my concern about this electric car series of how do they duplicate that to have that, that, that visceral appeal to fans that I love so much. Okay, uh, I guess it's my turn to follow up. I have a bunch of things up here, and I don't know why. Um, okay, here's the thing. You're darned if you do, and you're darned if you don't. One of the biggest complaints that NASCAR gets uh, is the amount of gasoline that is used for their cars. Another big complaint that NASCAR gets, and I've heard it right here on this radio show, the races are too long. we got to shorten the races. Well, this might be a way to do that. Um, uh, change is tough. I get it. A lot of people struggle with dealing with changes that are happening. But the reality is this change is going to happen, and our economy is going to be going to an all-electric uh automotive industry and that's just the way it is uh will we reminisce about the days when we had stock cars just like we do now uh yeah we probably will but this is a change that's going to happen and it's going to evolve over time and uh i think we do have to be open to giving it a shot uh, again i just applaud nascar for being ahead of the curve and and really exploring this now versus waiting until it happens. And then they're behind the curve trying to catch up because there is another generation of fans that are coming up. And you guys have mentioned it several times. Uh, the next generation of fans are not going to be as, uh, as willing to spend four hours out of their Sunday to watch a race as our generation is. I'm willing to do that. You're willing to do that. Is the next generation willing to do that? And I'm not so convinced that they are. So uh, I do think that this is something that we're, we're over time. It's not going to happen tomorrow. It's not going to happen next year. 
but over time, I think it is something that we're going to need to uh, adapt to. And uh, I'm going to leave the last word on that one to Tommy. So, Tommy, you're up. As long as the cars go as fast, um, I think it'll be entertaining. Mike did bring up a good point about the noise and the engines and everything. Um, yeah, yeah. It, as long as it is, I mean, as long as it's competitive and fun to watch, I'm on board. And, you know, it sounds like it's just going to be an exhibition series to start out. So, like I said, just more racing to add on the weekend to watch probably or whenever they do that. And, um yeah, it'd be it would be really cool to me if uh, Tesla got involved, and since they're like the go-to electric, a Tesla paint scheme on an NASCAR just sounds interesting. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think it, I think if we give it a chance, there are things to get excited about there as well, as well as the things. And I agree with you guys. There's going to be things that we're going to be nostalgic about. Because we like it the way it is. We don't want to see it uh, change. So I, I got it. Okay, so Jay, you're up next. Well, we could possibly tie this topic into the next one. I think Tommy was the one that posted it. And now I've shut it down. Let me see if I can bring it back up. Uh, I do believe it also came from Adam Stern. As far as NASCAR declining comment, declined comment to comment on the fact that they have made progress or are close to bringing another manufacturer into NASCAR. Uh, and it could be, like I said, related to Tesla. If that's what the future is holding, maybe bringing them in now or looking to in the future. Okay, an interesting thought there. Okay, Mike, you're up first on this one. Well, we've talked about the new manufacturer thing several times at this point over the past year. And it sounds like everyone's really excited about it, but it also sounds like this is a, one of the worst times in history for a new manufacturer to be getting into really anything beyond just trying to make and sell cars. Um, I don't know if you've seen your local dealership lot for your favorite brand lately, but they're having a lot of trouble building and selling cars right now because of a worldwide microchip shortage. And if car companies can't build and sell cars, that means they're not making money. If they're not making money, they can't go to the racetrack. Um, that's an unfortunate fact of life. So as much as I would love to see a new manufacturer in right now, I'm not very optimistic that we're going to see one within probably five years would probably be a relatively short period of time if I were to guess how long we have until we see a new manufacturer announced for NASCAR. Okay. Tommy, your thoughts? Well, yeah, we have talked about it before on here about how whenever we're going to reveal the next-gen car, that there was a possibility that they were going to also reveal um, a new manufacturer, and it's kind of been on Reddit, too. So um, Reddit doesn't lie. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, anytime I feel like someone declines a comment that something's coming in the future, basically, um, that's always what happens. But that's kind of what happened with Brad Kay, and then a couple of days later it came out and said that it was a almost done deal. It just hasn't been confirmed yet. But, um, yeah, I'm excited to see who it is. I mean, I was just thinking about it today after work um, uh, when we were – when I was looking through the hot topics, and I was driving back, and I was like, so does – who's it going to be? Is it going to be Honda to compete with Toyota? 
or does Dodge come back with the Challenger and compete with the Camaro and the Mustang? Because that's really what I think the top two would be, in my opinion. Um, and then as the oddball, I would I would like to see Audi in it, um, but that's just because I, I I drive an Audi, so I just would like to see them in the sport. Okay, um, yeah, the the comment that Adam Stern pointed out is NASCAR declined to comment on industry chatter that it has made some significant progress recently in its bid to sign at least at least one new manufacturer. So Mike is right, though. There is a problem uh, in the car industry overall, especially the new car industry. In fact, it's almost impossible to get a new car right now because of the problem with that chip. Uh, So uh, I can see where he's coming from with it being kind of a a tough sell for a new manufacturer to come into NASCAR right now. But the fact that they're declining to comment on that, uh, it just kind of tells me that it is um, it is uh, kind of up in the air right now. So they don't want to say something too prematurely and have it fall through because uh, of whatever's going on with this chip. And who knows? Maybe they know where the end of the line is with that chip, and, and there's a kind of a light at the end of the tunnel, if you will. Uh, that might open the door for the new manufacturers to come in. I don't know. There's a lot of unknowns here uh, to really be able to comment on it uh, thoroughly. But uh, I do think that there's been enough chatter about it. And now to say that there's significant progress uh, to sign at least one new manufacturer, I think is is uh, indication uh, that they are on the brink and maybe their hesitancy has to do with this chip thing. Uh, so we'll have to wait and see. But uh, I do think that they're, they're looking to make this happen. Uh, Jay, your thoughts? Yeah, I, th- I think this is one that uh, is coming sooner rather than later, and I'd take that five-year bet with Mike, but uh, he still hasn't paid up on the last bet, so I'm not going to waste my time with that. But um, I don't pay on bets that I, I, I win. Do think- I don't pay on bets that I win. Yeah. Um, the uh, Now I've lost my train of thought. That was my train of thought was Mike hasn't paid up. No, um, there's been too much uh, industry talk about it, Uh, We didn't get the announcement like we thought we would, but it was already here two or three years ago, uh, whether it be the return of Dodge or a new manufacturer, and then with the next year being the next-gen car and all that cost coming down, I think that's the key factor. Now, I don't know that it'll necessarily be next year, but especially with these new teams wanting to come in, you're talking about right now Joe Gibbs obviously being the top Toyota team, Hendrick being the top Chevrolet team. Uh, Ford team, top Ford team would be tough to pick right now, but I'll go with Penske. So any new team coming in either has to be alliance, allied with one of those teams, be second tier to them at least to start with, whereas if a new manufacturer comes in, they could be the top team within an organization. Uh, and we saw that when Toyota came in and Joe Gibbs made the, the jump over him to take over as that top spot. So... I think that with the amount of teams we're talking about getting next year or within the next couple of years, 
that a manufacturer will tie in with that, and that's how they'll make their return. Okay. Uh, up next would be uh, Mike, your follow-up. Well, um, for one thing, I'll say again, I don't pay on bets that I win. Kyle Larson is in the five car, not the 48. Anyway, um, back on the topic at hand. Um, if this whole COVID thing hadn't happened, I'd be a lot hotter on the possibility of a new manufacturer coming in, uh, either within the next year or two, probably in line with the release of the Gen 7 car. Because of the circumstances with COVID in terms of shutting down factories and now the subsequent shortages of things like microchips, I'm a lot cooler on the potential for a new manufacturer to come into the sport in the short term. Uh, As far as the speculation on who that manufacturer may be, um, everyone keeps kicking around Honda, and I don't disagree. Uh, I do think Dodge is not going to happen just because of the overall financial position of FCA. They were not in a great position before COVID, and they're not any better now. So I don't think FCA, with their Dodge brand or any other brand for that matter, is going to be making an appearance in NASCAR just because they're not in the financial position to do so, despite them being a natural fit for the sport in terms of both history as well as the kind of products that they sell. So for another manufacturer that I would think might be a good candidate for it, I would look to the Korean manufacturers. I would say Kia or Hyundai. One of their uh, brands are probably second in line behind Honda in terms of the brands that I would kind of half expect to come in. Now, I know the European brands, Audi and others, you've been kind of kicking around, but they're very active in motorsports in other countries, and they have a very strong market in Europe and their, you know, their domestic markets versus the Asian brands, they are very strong in China and the United States. Those are their two primary markets. So expanding their presence within the North American market, one of their big key market areas, it just makes sense. And that's why I would think that um, in addition to Honda, Kia or Hyundai would probably be your second most likely of a new manufacturer to come in at some point in the not too near but not too distant future. Okay, Tommy, your follow-up. Sorry, guys. There's some activity going on around my apartment or outside of it. My dog's barking, so I apologize. Um, but, oh, that's okay. <laughs> um, yeah, Honda is coming up a lot. Um, I'd throw Dodge in there just because nostalgia it would be awesome. Too bad Pontiac's not around or um, – Buick, but um, yeah, I'm interested to see who it'll be in the future. Um, with Mike, I think it'll it's because of this next gen reveal, but um, I don't know if it'll be next year, but maybe the the year after that, 2023, I guess. But um, it's definitely coming in the future because, like I said, I feel like anytime someone declines a comment, that just means something's coming, something's brewing. Mhm. Yeah, I agree with you, Tommy. Something's coming. Uh, I don't expect it to be next year. Uh, I think the earliest, uh, the very earliest it's going to happen would be 2023. Um, and uh, to me, it doesn't matter what manufacturer it is. Uh, I think it's good that NASCAR is looking to bring a or possibly multiple uh, manufacturers into the fold. Uh, is a good thing for the sport. So um, whoever it is, uh, I'm sure, you know, that uh, 
this chip thing will be, God, I would hope that the chip thing would be resolved by then. Uh, COVID seems to be resolving, and we're getting back to a more normal state. So, uh, yeah, 2022 is way too soon for it to happen. I, I agree with that. Uh, but uh, I do think it is going to happen, as Jay said, probably sooner rather than later. Jay, your follow-up? Well, two things, and you and Tommy both said it, uh, somebody declining comment, or the other mm-hmm. aspect is when everybody is saying it's all but true and done, and not only do you not or the, the go with the no comment, you vehemently deny it like you're going to try and change the, the, the surprise. The cat's already out of the bag. Uh, so in, <laughs> in this aspect, I think you're both right, that, that they're, they won't acknowledge it, but they're not going to deny it because they do know it is coming. So uh, the second thing I wanted to say was from past reports we've heard, I think that BMW may be the second possibility behind Honda. Uh, not that we couldn't see some others, but I think that BMW was the one that had expressed more interest than anybody else at that point. Um, and that was, uh, I think, when we had this discussion maybe maybe six months ago. So that might be another one to look at. And and I'm with Tommy. I, that, that, that hope is very slim, but Dodge is still there. Uh, I, again, I don't put a whole lot of stock in it as much as I'd like to see it. Uh, I don't, uh, and Mike said it, uh, the financial situation they're in, uh, it doesn't look good. I'll, I'll say that. Okay. Uh, we are, well, we've got a little more than 15 minutes here. So, Mike, you've got a chance at another hot topic. Well, I posted this uh, prior to the last show. So if you've talked about it already, please stop me. Um we all know that NBC is taking over the broadcast this coming weekend with the Nashville races, with the exception of the truck series, will still be on Fox Sports. Um, but the contract for NASCAR broadcasting rights is up for negotiation here. And CBS has said that they are out for NASCAR and unlikely candidates for IndyCar. And I found that kind of surprising, seeing that CBS is a big partner to stand up SRX, that they wouldn't even want to dip their toes in two of the major established brands for national motorsports broadcasting. Okay, yeah, we did talk about this, Mike. I don't think you were here when we did. But, uh, Tommy, go ahead and give your thoughts. I just know that I think NBC Motorsports ends either this year or next year. And I wonder where Junior's going to go because I saw, I saw where they were talking about how maybe NBC will take over um, instead of NBC Sports. So maybe Junior and Rick Allen and then will go there um, or wherever they go because there was talks of USA as well. Um, I even saw ESPN, I believe, on Sunday or Monday as well when we were talking about this. Now, that would be awesome. Uh, if ESPN did a race, that would be a throwback, and that would uh, that would just be really cool. That would be. I wonder who they would pick as the commentators. And then speaking of that, since this is for the future, who will be the commentators? Um, Alan, I thought Alan Bestwick was great on SRX. It was nice to hear his voice again. That reminded me of um, back with TNT with Wally Dolan back and Benny Parsons, and I just just miss it. And uh, Dick Bergeron, I believe, was the pit reporter. Um, saw him on the Dell Junior download a couple of weeks ago or a couple of months ago now, and uh, yeah, just missed that. And interested to see how it all plays out in the future. 
Okay, Jay, your thoughts? Well, Mike opened that window really wide. He said to stop him if we had already talked about it, which we did. But uh, I do want to hear his thoughts on it because he wasn't, uh, unfortunately, wasn't able to be on the show and talk about it with us. I, I think I did read his comments that he had on there, but to get it from mm-hmm. him live and in person, I do actually want to hear it. So uh, my, mine are still, I think that this is one of those where I think maybe CBS may be playing a little bit of gamesmanship. They're testing the waters. I feel like they're testing the waters with the SRX. It is something different. It is not NASCAR itself, but I also think they have to realize that NASCAR is one of the top, I'm not going to say the top, but one of the top programs that they could get. So uh, I feel like maybe they they might be trying to, uh, again, I hate to use the word lowball when it comes time by saying that they're not interested uh, I think they have to have some interest or at least be looking into it. Okay. Um, I recall when we talked about this before, I recall seeing that both Fox and NBC Sports Network uh, new contracts, are their existing contract expires in 2024. So we know that the negotiation for the new uh, contracts uh, start well before that because, again, NASCAR doesn't want to be caught behind the curve. Uh, but uh, CBS, it could be gamesmanship. It wouldn't be the first time we've seen that happen. Uh, we see that technique used quite a bit even with the drivers, uh, kind of exploring different theories and uh, looking to kind of up their, their uh, value, if you will. So, We'll have to wait and see what happens. They've already said that they're not looking to bring IndyCar in. Uh, they have no plans at this point to bring NASCAR into the fold. Uh, we'll see how it goes with uh, uh, CBS and the SRX series. Um, I, I do um, uh, think that, like Jay, that maybe there is some gamesmanship going on here. Uh, and I think that there's time... Uh, for it to all play out. Uh, testing the waters is kind of a good way to put it, I guess, uh, because they, they've got some time uh, to negotiate with NASCAR. Uh, and if they show less interest in it, uh, NASCAR might, uh, you know. NBC is kind of changing their whole format. Everything's going to the streaming uh, platform which might play into where NASCAR is headed as far as addressing the next generation. I don't know. Uh, And we'll have to kind of wait and see how that plays out. Again, I just think there's so many unknowns here. uh, It's kind of hard to speculate on it until we know some of those unknown things. Uh, But I do trust that NASCAR is working on those negotiations and what their next plan is going to be. Uh, beyond the 2024 season. So, Mike, this is what we've been waiting for. We all want to hear what you have to say. Tommy kind of alluded to it a little bit, that even without a new broadcast partner, in this case CBS or other ones, the ABC family of networks, which includes ESPN as another contender, um, even without a new broadcast partner, there's still the potential for some substantial change between now and when the the next contracts are cut for the 2024 season. There's been rumors that Mm -hmm. Jeff Gordon may step away as early as this year and not return to the Fox booth for the 2022 season, presumably to take a bigger role within Hendrick Motorsports. Also, Dale Earnhardt 
Earnhardt Jr. is another name that's been mentioned for a lot of the same reasons. Dale Earnhardt owns a very successful NASCAR Xfinity Series team. There's rumors that team may be moving to the Cup Series. He also runs a very successful and popular podcast. He's part of the management and development team for iRacing. I can go on. The point is Dale Earnhardt Jr. has a lot of things going on right now, and not all of them revolve around NBC Sports. And if he was looking to cut something loose that takes up probably a lot of his time and maybe doesn't have that much of a return on it, potentially NBC is is one of the things he might be considering cutting loose. I don't know. I'm I'm just speculating here. Um, With regard to CBS coming in, I I agree. I think SRX is them kind of gauging where motorsports is in terms of popularity and marketability. Um, I thought their broadcast this weekend for the SRX series was decent. Alan Bestrick was outstanding and beyond reproach. The put reporters were great. But please, please, please get rid of Danica Patrick. She was unbearable. It was like a three-hour version of her Kansas interview. So if we, can, if we can find a replacement for Danica Patrick, I think the CBS broadcast team, at least what they have for SRX right now, would just be mm, chef's kiss magnificent. Um, so – Hopefully CBS can build a brand around that broadcast team minus Danica Patrick and can, can have something that they can move beyond just what's relatively a small fish kind of a series right now in SRX and present something a little bit bigger, whether it's NASCAR, IndyCar, IMSA, or some other major, uh, major series. And we can get a little bit more diversity in terms of the different networks and personalities that we see covering our sport. Okay. Tommy, your follow-up. I was also going to bring this up about um, GMS because, junior, like you said, Junior Motorsports is thinking about going to the cup level. I think that would be awesome. But GMS is basically an alliance with Hendrick. Junior's an alliance with Hendrick. How is all this not a conflict of interest? Um, but then I thought about it. And Hendrick Motorsports, and I believe it's like ECR, which is basically RCR, I think, make all the Chevy motors for all the cars. So, I mean, uh, there's there's just all, um, not one team, but, you know, they're all connected somehow. Um, I'm just excited to see who was in the booth. And I really didn't think Danica Patrick did that bad. I mean, her, her racing wasn't the best. But um, I'm hoping that Haley Deegan turns out because I'm like Kelly Earnhardt. I want to see a female driver be successful. I actually I want to see Bubba do good, um, just because you know, just for the sport. Because if they get more popular, other fans will come in. The sport will be bigger and everything, and it just bring change. I think that might would be good and benefit. But um, I'm just excited to see who goes in the booth and what happens. I don't really want. NASCAR to go to USA because I saw that as a as an option a few months back, but ESPN would be awesome and Alan Bestwick being somehow involved back in NASCAR since he's doing SRX now would be great. So I would miss him. Okay, Jay. Yeah, I don't really have a whole lot of follow up there. Uh, again, I didn't get to uh, to see the SRX race, so uh, I can't say much as far as that. But uh, it it sounded like their numbers were good, Uh, and I still believe that NASCAR is at least one of the top five as far as outside of other sports main events. Uh, You talk about the Masters for golf. Week in and week out, NASCAR delivers, so I don't see how an industry uh, or a company cannot at least be interested in it. (laughs) 
Yeah, I agree. And I don't have a whole lot more to add either. So, Mike, we'll just let you have the final word on this one. Well, my big concern regarding NASCAR being a marketable TV property has to do with what's being broadcast on Big Fox or Big NBC, the actual over-the-air broadcast network, while a NASCAR race is on FS1 or NBC Sports or side cable-only kind of channels. And when you see things like Emerald's Kitchen being broadcast on Big Fox while the NASCAR race is on FS1, that tells me does Fox Broadcasting believe that Emerald's Kitchen is going to bring in better ratings than a NASCAR race? And maybe it is. And that kind of concerns me regarding the overall marketability of the NASCAR product in terms of putting it on TV. Hopefully I'm wrong, and hopefully NASCAR continues to grow. We've seen a couple percentage points increase in the ratings this year. So hopefully as interest continues to build back up in the sport, it becomes a more valuable property that demands a little bit more attention from these networks and a little bit more priority in terms of where they broadcast it. Okay. Yeah, I was going to bring up that actually the broadcast numbers have been up this year, so I think that's a very positive thing. Um, Okay, Uh, let's uh, go ahead and let's see what you're uh, should we, I don't know. Do you have another topic, Tommy, that you want to bring up or Jay? We're kind of cutting it close here. Well, I did, I did put up the one of Landon Castle being paid via, uh, online currency. I don't know. I don't know a whole lot about it other than to, to call it that of an online currency. Okay. And, and what's the deal with that? I'm not sure. All right, let me pull that up here. Of, and I'm trying to think. And I don't, again, I'm not familiar, 100% familiar with these. Uh, says Landon Castle will be the first driver to be paid with cryptocurrency with the sponsorship deal, which is Voyager, a cryptocurrency brokerage platform. And well, they call it Litecoin. I'm not familiar with that kind of thing. Uh Tommy, what are your thoughts about that? There's actually been a few NFL players that have done it. Uh, I feel like a Panthers player did it. Um, a Kansas City, uh, Kansas City Chiefs player did it. And um, I thought there was one other for either the Broncos or the Raiders, I believe, that did it. Or maybe it was two. So there's, there, there's been like four – NFL players that have done it. Um, I feel like some college player is strictly only asking to get paid in cryptocurrency when he, if he, maybe that was a draft pick this year, I think, that did that. Uh, it's, but so, yeah, there's just players that are out there doing that. So I'm not really surprised to see Landon Castle doing it. And it's pretty, it's pretty cool. I just, I'm not really familiar with it. Um, one of my friends is into Bitcoin, but I don't really understand it, so I can't really add much to it besides I've seen NFL players do it. Mike? Well, let me say, let me do this deal in case we go over here. We're going to uh, go off the air at exactly 10.30 p.m. Eastern Time, which uh, means that you're probably going to hear us go off the air while we're still talking. 
Uh, just know that we are continuing to record the rest of the conversation. We like to let our new listeners know that this is going to happen so that nobody is caught by surprise. Uh, what happens is when we finish up here, I will go out on Twitter and uh, let people know that the podcast is available. And what you can do is just fast forward to the player either at Blog Talk Radio or at FanFaracing.com. Just fast forward to the two-hour mark, and you can hear the rest of the conversation as part of our bonus overtime material. Again, just a heads up so that nobody's taken by surprise when we go off by air. Uh, we just want to make sure everybody knows that we are that we are continuing to record. So uh, go ahead, Mike, with your thoughts. Well, kind of like Tommy said, this is an uncharted territory here. It is a little bit for NASCAR, but not entirely. We saw a car sponsored by Dogecoin a few years ago. They ran at Talladega and maybe a couple other races. And I think they're going to make another uh, another run here this year at some point, but don't quote me on that. Either way, the, the point is cryptocurrency is not necessarily a new thing, whether in NASCAR or other sports series. As far as whether it's going to take over the world, like some of the shills for it tend to say, uh, I don't know. I'm not sold on it. I'm not quite as uh, as an old crotchety old man yelling at the cloud curmudgeon as Jay is with his flip phone, but I'm also not necessarily sold on the whole cryptocurrency thing either. I'm interested to see where it goes. I'm not averse to it, but I'm still going to request my paychecks in U.S. dollars for the foreseeable future here. Okay. I'm I'm obviously behind the curve on this whole cryptocurrency thing. I have no idea what it's all about or if it's good or bad or, uh, you know, what's happening with these other drivers, how it is, or not drivers, but other sports figures, uh, how it's impacting them, if it's been a negative impact, positive impact, I have no idea. So I don't really feel that I'm first in even commenting about it. But, uh, Jay, I'd be interested in knowing what you have to say. Yeah, I, I'm not extremely familiar with it either, and it, uh, Mike's right. It, it is one of those I would certainly uh, – I might put some money into it as an investment to see how it goes, but getting my paycheck that way, I, I don't think so. Uh, you know, it's one of those I don't see the sustainability of it. I know we talk about everything evolving, and that's maybe the way the world goes, um, depending on what perspective you have on that, whether it's a good good thing or not. Uh, I am one that is I'm I'm not in favor of it I, I, by any means and I would never deny that. Uh, but like I said, if I had some extra money laying around, or if Mike wants to donate some to me, uh, pay off his bet, uh, <laughs> I would invest it in it. I Start winning bets and maybe I'll pay. Okay, uh, I'm staying out of the middle of that one. But uh, Tommy, what are your follow-up thoughts? I don't really have any. Okay, Mike. Well, just more of the same. Um, I'm sure Landon Castle be willing to accept his payment in cryptocurrency, especially a lesser known one like Litecoin versus the more common one of Bitcoin. It may have given him a opportunity to ask for maybe a little bit more relative value than he asked for in U.S. dollars, which if so, good for him. Get paid. Uh, hopefully it works out for him. And if it does, well, Maybe we'll see him not him. He may be the first, but he may not be the last if it works for him. Okay, and we don't know that that happened. That speculation, correct? 
I think it was confirmed that that is how he's being paid for the race. No, I mean, we don't know that he's getting more because he's getting cryptocurrency. Oh, no, that was that was just speculation on my part. That's correct. Okay. Uh, again, I don't have anything to add. <laughs> Jay? Uh, no, that uh, again, I'm I'm not super familiar with it. I, I am with Mike. I, I hope it does work out for him, uh, for his benefit, uh, taking that chance. I, I hope it does work out for him, though. Okay. Tommy, did you have any other topics you wanted us to hit on? Uh, not tonight. I just wanted to add to the, um, well, I just put it in the, the chat, the one that I wanted to do tonight, which was the other manufacturer. Who is the other manufacturer? Oh, I mean, I just wanted to cover that one. That was my only hot topic tonight. Oh, okay. And we covered it. I gotcha. Okay. Uh, Mike, anything else you on your list? I've got nothing to add this evening. I, I brought up a bunch before the last show, and you all probably burned through them. So I've got nothing new for this one, unfortunately. Oh, okay. Uh, then I guess we're ready for the roundtable. So, Tommy, uh, go ahead and kick us off on the roundtable here. Uh, at NASCAR fan since 95 on Twitter. Um, not currently working on anything. Um, I should probably ask you for some topics here in the future to write on, uh, and I'll do it. But, um, but yeah, that's pretty much it. Okay, Mike? That's going to be Mike underscore Orzel on Twitter, Mike double underscore O on Reddit. Uh, still the most recent article I wrote is going to be on the team owner hot seat. Got a little bit of feedback on that one from Reddit. I might end up reattacking that one. I'm not sure. Maybe I will. Maybe I won't. Um, but if nothing else, I got to get right on something. We'll figure it out here. Uh, I was going to be going to Barber this weekend, but it looks like a tropical storm's going to beat me there. So I'd rather not just go run around in the rain. I watched Dakota race. That was enough for me. I'll keep my car dry. Uh, so the next time I'm at a racetrack, <laughs> I don't know yet. I'll keep you posted. Okay. Jay? Well, to update that, the next time I'll be at a racetrack will be probably by 11 o'clock noon tomorrow here at Magnolia Motor Speedway, home of the Black Ice, as the Lucas Oil Dirt Series is here in town starting already tonight. Kind of been keeping an eye on that. But uh, with that, the rain ended, and I ended up mowing lawns. So, Sharon, I do not have that Michael McDowell article ready for you yet. Uh, I promise I will get uh, to that. Um, I know i got a couple other topics I want to attack, but I'll get that Michael McDowell one done first. Uh, you can follow me okay. on book Michael Hoosman, Mopar MJ 8 on Twitter and Instagram. All right, and I am uh, Fan for Racing site on Twitter and Fan for Racing blog and radio everywhere else on social media, including our website, fanforacing.com, <laughs> where you can read the articles that these guys have been working on. Uh, again, I, we didn't get the um, recap from uh, Sam this week, but I'm hoping he'll be back on track uh, this coming week uh, with his recap. We also post the NASCAR Wire recaps as well as any articles that are submitted uh, from our fan racing crew here. So uh, we appreciate everybody taking the time to tune in tonight uh, to hear what we have to say. We have a lot of fun doing this, and we hope all of you have a lot of fun listening as well. And uh, a big shout-out to our fan racing crew. Uh, we had Tommy, Mike, and Jay on tonight. 
and uh, we really appreciate everything that you guys do. Uh, we don't always agree, but we can always walk away still friends. So that's what it's all about. So with that, uh, I guess we're ready to call it a night. Looking forward to the Nashville weekend. Uh, and I think it's going to be a fun race just to watch. I hope we don't get caught up in rain. So we'll see see what happens there. So uh, that's ready to call it a wrap. All right. Good night, everybody. Good Have night, a good night, everybody. All right. Let's leave it on the track. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.